Salam guys, I'm Mohsin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim. Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru or IFG for short. Mohsin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can get me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get Ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Enjoy the episode. Looking for a different approach to money? Meet Gatehouse Bank a Sharia-compliant UK bank built for the modern world. We help home buyers to purchase or refinance their home, provide buy-to-let funding for landlords, and offer award-winning savings accounts. Wherever you're going, get there a different way. Get there with Gatehouse. To find out more, visit gatehousebank.com. Before we dive in, I'd just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionBee. They have helped over 70,000 customers be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. They also have a great Shure compliant pension option as well, which is why we personally really like them. And you can check out a review of their offering on the Shure side on our website. For those of you who are joining this for the first time, we have this weekly uh, tafsir where we focus on investment, finance, money, charity, careers, and wealth-related topics uh, that come up fairly regularly throughout the Quran. And we focus on those verses in keeping with, I guess, you know, as a kind of juxtaposition to the rest of the things that often we talk about at Islamic Finance Guru and are often talked about by all of you guys as well in the Telegram groups. I think it's important to make sure that we are refreshing our Iman and remembering why we do this stuff in the first place. That's a bit of a context in terms of what we do. We are currently up to verse 181 of Surah Ali Imran. And the verse goes out by the Audhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. لَقَدْ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ قَوْلَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ فَقِيرٌ وَنَحْنُ أَغْنِيَاءَهُ سَنَكْتُبُ مَا قَالُوا وَقَتْلَهُمُ الْأَنْبِيَاءَ بِغَيْرِ حَقِّ وَنَقُولُ ذُوقُوا عَذَابَ الْحَرِيقَ Indeed, Allah has heard those among the Jews who said, Allah is poor and we are rich. We have certainly recorded their slurs and their killing of prophets unjustly. Then we will say, taste the torment of burning. This is a verse that talks about charity. And the context here is that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, he narrates that when Allah's statement came down, and this is a statement in Surah Baqarah, مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يُقْرِضُ اللَّهَ قَرْضًا حَسَنًا فَيُضَاعِفَهُ لَهُ أَضْعَافًا كَثِيرًا Who is he that will lend to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a qard hasan, a good loan, uh, an interest-free loan, so that he may multiply it to him in many, many times. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he revealed that, and the context was that Muslims needed that for developing the Muslim community and, you know, for jihad and all of these kind of affairs. When the Jews heard this, 
They said that, Oh Muhammad, has your Lord become so poor that he asks his servant to give him a loan that Allah sent down? In response to that statement from the Jews and in response to that making fun, Prophet, uh, the Quran revealed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he revealed this verse, that we have heard the statement of those who say that truly Allah is poor and we are rich. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he chastises them and he says that we've recorded that. Don't worry, guys, we've written that one down. And also the fact that you've been killing your prophets unjustly and there will be a recompense for that and i guess there's basically two things that i wanted to cover today one is just thinking a bit more about charity and especially now that we're heading towards ramadan when this will become a much bigger topic for the muslim community as a whole there are two questions i had one was you know what's the point of charity like on a deep like social level um, I mean, I get it from an Islamic perspective. What's the point of it from a deep social level? And like, what's the role it plays? And then the second question I had was, well, you know, from an Islamic perspective as well, what, why do we care about charity? And let's start with the second of those questions first. I think, you know, if you look at the ahadith on charity, it becomes quite clear to you why Islam cares about charity. There's a hadith of Bukhari and Muslim. Charity is due for every joint in each person on every day the sun comes up. To act justly between two people is a charity. To help a man with his mount, lifting him onto it or hoisting up his belongings to it is a charity. A good word is a charity. And removing a harmful thing from the road is a charity. And then another hadith, uh, Prophet Sallallahu says, a smile for your brother is a charity. Your removal of stones, thorns or bones from the paths of people is a charity. Your guidance of a person who is lost is a charity. And these are fascinating, fascinating things that we don't often immediately think of when someone says, oh, he gave some charity. And when you boil it all down, when you boil it all down, what is this charity business that's going on? Ch charity is this ethar of someone else, something other than us, and putting that before our nafs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Quran, And they will give preference over themselves to someone else, even if they are in hardship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, You will not reach piety until you spend from what you love. And this is a motif, this is a statement, this is a theme throughout the Qur'an. This sacrificing of one's nafs in favor of someone else. Doing something without, and you know, if you look at it from a fiqhi perspective, charity is where there isn't a returning payment. So if you buy something from a shop, you pay them 50 pence, they will give you a packet of crisps. There is a two-way thing going on. But with charity, it's just one way. And there isn't anything, immediately at least, coming back to you. But there is. Only that's the thing. There is something coming back to you. And that thing that's coming back to you is, in the long run, going to be reward in the akhirah. But also in the short run, there are some benefits as well. So obviously it makes you feel good, arguably. And also, you know, there could be some other benefits. And I guess we can talk about that on the second point I want to make, which is like, why do we care about charity, you know, from a un-Islamic perspective, from a secular perspective, what's the point of charity as well? So, but focusing on this Islamic aspect, 
the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in none of the ahadith, none of the ayahs of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the Prophet they say that give charity because it'll make you give you a nice warm fuzzy feeling inside you. That's not the point of charity. In fact, that kind of in a way undermines the point of charity, which is it's not about you, it's about someone else. And this is a very important point to bear in mind, especially as as we hurtle towards Ramadan, because you know, there will be plenty of opportunities to be giving charity. And what we don't want to be doing is optimizing for that short-term emotional, I feel good, uh, endorphin hit versus the real purpose of charity, which is that long-term reward that you get in the Akhirah. So those are some really, really brief thoughts on the second point around why Islam cares about charity. Now, the point about why do we care about charity full stop from a, even like a philosophical or social or non-Islamic perspective? This is just a thought. I haven't you know, reflected on this too deeply, but I think it comes back to the problem of the commons. Uh, and this is a social science problem that a lot of people have spent a lot of time thinking about. And the idea here is that, you know, there are sometimes things that if everyone did them or everyone abstained from doing them would be much better for everyone but unfortunately it is not rational for each single person to do that thing and i know that sounds super complicated so let me just break it down so if everyone decided that they were not going to give out any carbon emissions and we all stuck to that what would happen is it would make a much better world for us all because there would be no carbon emissions and we all know that you know we're not no one's giving out carbon now the problem is that you know just giving out a little bit of carbon emissions is a bit nice because you get some it's cheaper you know it gives you some um, fuel warmth whatever it is and that one person uh, if you look at it from their perspective it is rational for that person if they can get away with it to use carbon right give out carbon emissions and benefit from the clean environment because everyone else is not giving out carbon emissions. So rationally, from an individual's perspective, it makes sense to give out carbon emissions. And so what happens is that everyone is rational and everyone then starts giving out carbon emissions. And then you suddenly have a world where everyone's giving out carbon emissions. And even though if everyone stopped doing it, it would be better for everyone, it isn't rational for anyone to stop. The point could also be made with the classic example of a field where you've got a field outside a village where the local farmers graze their crops. And this is a common field that no one really owns. Now, if everyone is sensible about it, what they could end up doing is rotate around and make sure that you don't over feed your cattle on this particular field and that this field is properly looked after. But because it's commonly held and it's no one's responsibility, each of the farmers know that, oh, this is basically free grass. This is like more pasture land, free pasture land. So what I'll do is I'll just hammer it with my crops and get as much of the grass out of it as I can. And because the other farmers see this, they're like, oh, you know, we better get onto this as well quick before it runs out. So they all hammer it, right? And then the field basically isn't looked after very well. And within a season or two, it's just destroyed. And that's that. Whereas, actually, if all of the farmers had just coordinated and looked after each other's interests, then they would have ultimately resulted in you know, a much better field for everyone. Now, 
why, you know, why am I banging on and on about this stuff? And what's this got to do with charity? Well, the key way that you try and solve this problem is, you know, that there are multiple attempts at trying to solve this problem in political theory. So one way to try and solve this problem is by getting everyone's consent. And that could happen either through something like democracy or you know something like that. That's the way that you get everyone's buy-in and everyone's agreed to it. Another way is by forcing people. So like a tyrant could be at the charge of the village and he could force people to just use the common field properly. With carbon emissions, that's an example of like, you know, the democratic route because everyone, you know, has signed up to the UN, the climate change protocols in the Paris protocols. And because they've signed, they've consented to making the changes that they need to. So that it's a contractual way of getting everyone on the same side. But there are other ways as well. So, you know, if you go driving in somewhere like Dorset, where my family used to live uh, for a while, everyone there gives way when they're driving. And, you know, you you feel really strange coming from London because people, you know, will give you way and they'll be polite and they won't rush and they won't like cut in and all this sort of thing. And it's just the culture there. It's the norm there. Whereas in London, if you did that, you'll just be completely flattened, right? People will just run, your, run over you and take advantage of you. And so what's happening there is a culture thing. There's a culture of giving way that has been bred into the people of Dorset. And what that means is it creates a much pleasanter driving experience and a much quicker driving experience for everyone because no one is trying to take advantage. Now, this is at the heart of the philosophical reason why we should give charity as well and why it's better for society as a whole. And, you know, this is the design of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where when he is encouraging people to give so much charity and there is a compulsory 2.5% zakat that we have to give. There is a reason for all of this. And that is that if you can encourage the ummah, if you can encourage a nation, uh, a society to act selflessly and give to other people and put the interests of others before you for whatever reason, if in this case the akhirah, then ultimately that actually creates a world that is better off for everyone. Because, you know, in the case of specifically charity, now if you know that it is part of the Islamic culture, it's part of the Islamic teachings, to give charity and because of that because of this deeply meaningful reason why people will be giving charity everyone does it what happens is there's always a standing pot of charity in case anyone falls into hardship now if everyone thought selfishly and they didn't give to charity what would happen is ultimately no one would give to charity and there would be no pot and so everyone would be worse off now, you can have obviously a spectrum here. You know, some people are free riders. They won't give any charity, but they'll take it. So, you know, that is a matter of Iman. And so I thought it would be an interesting kind of sketch to give you the social sciences and economics and political theory and game theory underpinnings to why charity is such a big deal when it comes to our religion and it comes to prosperous and healthy societies. But then, yeah, that's, you know, you might be thinking, okay, where did we start on this verse and where did we end? But I thought it'd be interesting observation to make regardless. That's pretty much it from my side today. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.